Talk to my friend Drew Lennon. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I to this guy for wisdom. Well, I really don't have words to describe my just complete, utter contempt for the Democratic Party, for these politicians who are gaslighting America into oblivion. They had hearings essentially today. There was a there was a vote to censure Adam Schiff. It, it doesn't have teeth. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just like it's like Trump being impeached but not found guilty. So they say he's impeached, and so that's some kind of stain on it. Now, censure is a little bit more serious than that uh, in some respect, but it's only happened, I think, 25 times. So Adam Schiff finds himself in the company of other miscreants in American history, I suppose. But I've got an assortment of clips I want to play for you of just... The Democrats gaslighting, continuing to, it's just the the overt nature of their lies. You know, I, I just, let me preface with this. You know, I, I, I it's, it's hard looking out there when you consider yourself a pretty moral and decent person, not a perfect person, but somebody who at least has ethics and values and principles that you abide by, you believe in, you try and live your life in according in accordance with those principles. And now that I have a daughter, right, I'm a father. You know, it's one thing you get married. It's very important, obviously, that you you know, live your life a certain way, that you treat your wife a certain way, that you live a life of honor. But then when you have a child that enters this world and you are a father or a mother, it just takes on new significance because I think about how I want my daughter to view me as she grows up, the kind of example I want to be. And I've told you before, I'm a, I'm a not, I can't lie. I'm just, I'm just not a good liar. I, I can't do it even over small things. And as I listen to these Democrats in the House who all participated willingly, knowingly in a coup attempt, that was Trump-Russia collusion, that was quid pro quo. I mean, these people don't have a shred, an ounce of morality or integrity. And yet they claim to be the victims and heroes here, targets of the Republicans when they're the ones who did wrong, not just wrong, but they committed treason. I can't say that enough what they did. It was treason. And a lot of these people, they're married. They have families. You know, uh, Eric Swalwell, after he got finished banging that Chinese spy, he settled down with uh, some woman and he's got a couple kids or something like that. And I just see this Neanderthal-looking guy, which is Swalwell, he does. I mean, you know, it's just the reality. He looks like a Neanderthal. He looks like he's not developed. He looks like there's a little bit of something wrong in the gene pool. But, um, you know, he goes on TV and he lies and attacks Americans. And, and I think that that man goes from MSNBC where he lies through his teeth. He demonstrates 
what a rotten human being he is who has no principles or integrity. And that man somehow goes home at the end of the night and rocks his kids to sleep or reads them bedtime story. I mean, I just, how do you do that? You know, that's, that's the thing. There's like this sociopathic culture that exists where people can compartmentalize and behave in such a way. I don't have any respect for these people. You have to earn respect. And I don't have anything good to say about them. I'm sorry. But anyway, so they had the censure vote. It went through. It was a party line vote. 213 Republicans voted for it. No Democrats voted for it. But before that vote took place, you know, it was this dog and pony show where the Democrats got to stand up there and make their short speeches and so on and so forth. Republicans got to give theirs before the vote. And this is going to play into the broader discussion that we get in today about what, what do we do? What should Republicans be doing? Should we impeach Biden? You know, what, what's our North Star right now? You know, what, what's the right move to make? You know, what strategically? Uh, what do we do? What do we do? Who are these people? How bad are they? How do we defeat them? These are the questions that we need to be asking ourselves. And unfortunately, the answer is uncomfortable and I, I, I got to say, you know, I'll, I will look at this from all different sides when it comes to the, the impeachment. For example, Lauren Boebert uh, plans to go ahead with impeachment articles, and apparently it has McCarthy upset. It's really dividing the House right now because, you know, we'll get into it in a minute, but that's a frustrating discussion as well. We'll go through it together. So... Just really briefly, I don't want to bore you. I know all of you know this, but it's just important to, to, to say ahead of these clips. The, the Democrats spent the entire Trump presidency trying to get rid of him, trying to sabotage and end his presidency. The Trump-Russia collusion hoax, which we should really call a Trump-Russia collusion coup, Hoax doesn't really capture the severity of what they tried to do. But the Hillary Clinton campaign, the Barack Obama administration, as it was going out, the FBI, Adam Schiff, Swalwell, Pelosi, all of these people knew that there was no evidence of Trump-Russia collusion. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were trying to sabotage Trump's administration and hopefully undo, reverse the will of the American people who voted to put him in office off of this fake opposition research that they couldn't prove. They were all in on it. And they went on TV every single night and perpetuated this lie. And the media was complicit in this. They gave them the opportunity to go on TV and spout these lies And they convinced the American people and even many people who might have been reluctant Trump voters in 2016 that Trump was dirtied goods. When it was they who were dirty, they had fabricated this evidence. They put things like Trump slept, made the PP tape with the hookers in a Moscow hotel room, which was, there was no evidence. It was completely made up, like something from the deranged mind of Stephen King these days. 
And we know, as a matter of fact, we had the, the Mueller investigation, nearly $32 million taxpayer dollars were spent on that investigation, two years. And in the end, we found out not only that there was no Trump-Russia collusion, but everything that I just mentioned, that it was actually Democrats who were responsible for fabricating all of it. And yet you're going to hear all of these people pretend like they didn't do that. Pretend like Trump-Russia collusion did happen. These people who have weaponized the entire U.S. government against their political opponents, who go after grandmas who were there just present at the Trump rally, protest on January 6th, who were hiding evidence from people they were putting in the equivalent of gulags at the time, holding them without due process, keeping evidence that would have exonerated them to create the image, perception in America that January 6th was an insurrection. These are evil, diabolical people. And they haven't learned anything. They haven't apologized for anything. There's no remorse. There's no effort to... to take responsibility for their actions. So cue up cut one. I want you to hear Eric Swalwell, the esteemed congressman, Congress pronoun from California who slept with a Chinese spy. I'm just going to go through these and, and we'll talk. We play cut one, Captain. Here's Swalwell today defending Adam Schiff said to the country, you are decent. Donald Trump is not who you are. So I asked my colleagues, are you as decent as Donald Trump? Will you be remembered as footnotes and foot soldiers in history's books that chronicle Donald Trump's corruption? Or will you be as decent as Adam Schiff? I yield back. Gentlemen reserves, members are... I should have warned you, get your barf bag ready. I mean, I, I, we, need a, we need to bring back vomitoriums. Will you be as decent as Adam Schiff? Adam Schiff is one of the most, most loathsome human beings in America, period. And he wants to be a senator now. Well, now I've got another one. Zoe Lofgren, another Democrat Congress pronoun. Cut two, Captain. Play what she had to say. This one actually is quite funny. Go ahead. Mr. Chairman, I could go point by point and uh, prove that the resolution is false, but time is short. I'll just say Adam tells the truth. I mean, that perfectly encapsulates the entire Democratic Party. I don't have time to give you the evidence that Adam Schiff's a good guy. Just trust me, he's a good guy. I'll just leave it at that. He's decent. I don't have time to refute this. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, fat, fat Fauci that I was talking about yesterday. Peter Hotez of Baylor University. And the media who says, no, no, don't go on Joe Rogan and debate. Don't go out there and make your case to the American people because you're right. They're wrong. There's no point. You don't need to make your, make your case. We're tyrants. They're lowly serfs. And they just have to accept what we say. They can't refute us. Now, here's a great one. This is Jamie Raskin, cut three, Captain. This is another uh, just 
Put your head in the barf bag. Go. Now we meet rather for another stop on the GOP's endless revenge tour against Democrats who dared to tell the truth about Donald Trump and his repeated sellouts and betrayals of the American people over the last six years. It's all about Donald Trump tightening his stranglehold over Republicans for the 2024 campaign and driving out anyone who dares to think for himself or herself. So the Democrats are the party of censorship. We know, as a matter of fact, that they worked, collaborated with Facebook, with Twitter, to censor voices of dissent. And I have a story for you today that happened to me. Well, I'll just, I'll just tell, I'll pause. Let's take a break here. We got plenty of time, 47 some odd minutes left. You know, I was having a great day. I went and got a... Uh, a late breakfast with my wife and my my daughter is 12 weeks old, technically tomorrow, but, you know, we said today. Had a lovely breakfast. Uh, we went out, of course, for breakfast. It was great. The baby was doing great, sleeping when we wanted her to. I mean, it was all amazing. And then I had a lot of work to do. I had a lot of work to do. You know, I've got, I mean, whatever. You know, Carrie Lake's a uh, client now. We're doing her book. And I just, you know, I've, I've never been busier in my life, actually. In, in a PR capacity. Now, one of the things that I, I do <clears throat> is that, you know, I, I, actually, this won't bore you. I think this will be fascinating for you. I'll, I'll explain a little bit about it from the PR side. It's not an easy job or career to explain. Uh, it's very different, unique. People don't really understand the ins and outs of the media landscape and how it works, but Essentially, what I do is I'm responsible for putting the people that you see on TV or hear on the radio there. Okay, now sometimes they have a book out and I'm promoting the book and I'm reaching out or they're reaching out to me and I'm booking and scheduling it. But other times what I'm doing is I have various experts in different fields, whether they are doctors, whether they're generals, whether they're politicians and so on and so forth. And what I do is engage in the battle of narratives, the battle of narratives. So I have people who are experts in, say, homeschooling or experts in child education who were previous administrators or public school teachers or whatever, and they've seen the light. And it's Pride Month. And there's stories about, you know, Virginia, for example. You've got elementary schools that are forcing young children to celebrate pride, waving flags, and so on and so forth. And so I will put somebody out there, and the way I do that is, I'll just kind of, well, you know, I compose an email that has a pitch. And so that pitch could say something like, you know, whatever, it could just be the headline. You know, uh, elementary schools, public elementary schools are trying to turn your child gay. So I send that out and I've got contacts and I used, I was using something called MailChimp, which is owned by Intuit. And so I send that email out and it goes to all of my hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of contacts. 
And then they respond to that email with their interest, and I go about booking those people on radio and TV. It's kind of an important part of what I do. Well, today, I sent out a pitch. I sent out a pitch through MailChimp, and uh, the client, well-known, had actually debated Peter Hotez herself in the past during the COVID lockdowns. So she had firsthand experience with the fraud and monster that Hotez actually is. This was on uh, PBS or NPR, one of those. And so given the story right now of Peter Hotez and the Joe Rogan situation that I explained in great detail yesterday, I wanted to put her out there to talk about her experience. Pretty scintillating stuff, wouldn't you say? And MailChimp uses something called Carnivore now. It's artificial intelligence. What it does is it reads the emails, the pitches that I send out, and there's a process that immediately flags my content as a violation of MailChimp services. Now, because this pitch was about vaccines, guess what happened to me? My MailChimp is gone. I'm blocked. I'm banned from MailChimp. So the means in which I send emails out has been taken away from me. Now, it is a big deal. I'll be fine. I'll use another service. But I just want you to, I want you to understand, you have, you have Jamie Raskin gaslighting us about how we are some kind of censorship machine. And it couldn't be further from the truth. And the problem is, I was thinking about this today, is unfortunately not enough Americans have experienced directly themselves many of these things that are coming in the pipeline that are going to affect all of us down the road. And so we're not engaged in the fight. And I was lit up, Captain. I was so mad that I felt like I needed some soup to calm down. A tequila soup with ice croutons. That's what I really was yearning for. So this is, this is the reality. So think about this. So I pay to use MailChimp. I pay them for the service. And they go ahead and shut my account down because they recognize in their AI program that I'm conservative. So I just thought you should understand that. That really frustrated me today. And this is the world we live in. This is the world we live in. We are persecuted. And these are private companies that are willing to go along with this. It happens to plenty of people on YouTube. It used to happen to people all the time on Twitter. And this is outrageous. And this is the downside and the danger of technology. You know, there's a price to pay for convenience. And it's our freedom. And it's our privacy. And I'll get into a story that should be the biggest story in America right now about what a special military unit is doing to monitor mean tweets. So anyway, but there is Jamie Raskin preaching to me, preaching to me, gaslighting me and you and the American people and Republicans and MAGA and Trump. And this is a strategy for them. 
I am convinced that they're not creative at all. They are simply acutely aware of their own sins and crimes. And rather than come up with anything creative, they simply go into their own wheelhouse of, hey, what did Joe Biden do? Oh, that's right. He sold out his country. And what did, what did Jamie Raskin just accuse Trump of doing right, right there? Selling out his country. This is outrageous. I can't believe this is happening in the sacred halls of our Congress. An entire party devoted to this perpetuation of lies and gaslighting. I mean, this country is in sad shape. Sad shape. And I think about somebody like a Jamie Raskin, back to my point about being a family man. I mean, you know what? It's not for me to judge, Captain, but, you know, for all I know, all these people are going to rot in hell. So keep behaving this way. One day, someone that's not me will judge you and hopefully it will be harsher, harsher than anything I could do or say. May you all burn in a special place. Or what I would prefer is you realize you're a horrible human being and you realize what you're doing to the country and you actually repent. But that's never going to happen. All right, cue up cut uh, four. This is one of my favorites. This is Adam Schiff himself. This is the liar and deceiver, the great perpetuator, the great Goebbels of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. We've got the evidence hiding in plain sight. I promise you we're going to get Trump. I promise you I've seen the evidence of Trump-Russia collusion. He said that dozens and dozens and dozens of times for years, knowing that none of it was true. And here's Adam Schiff. Play it, Captain Go. Today, I wear this partisan vote as a badge of honor, knowing that I have lived my oath, knowing that I have done my duty to hold a dangerous and out-of-control president accountable, and knowing that I would do so again in a heartbeat. There you have it. He'd do it again in a heartbeat. This is what we're up against. This is what we're up against. And they do this and they say this because they know they control the levers of power. Now, we might have a majority in the House, but that means nothing. We had a Durham investigation in which Durham didn't do anything. Durham revealed in a report what we already knew, but who cares if you just report what we already knew? Who cares if there are no consequences? And that's the point. There have been massive consequences for innocent people in this country, whether it's Trump, whether it is General Flynn. I mean, I can go down the list of people who've been persecuted and actually suffered for things that they didn't even do. And these people have committed the ultimate crime in terms of national interest, which would be treason. And they sit there and do this. I'm going to skip five. I can't do another one. I had Hakeem Jeffries. He's a fool. He's like poor man's Dr. Seuss. Remember that? He went through the A, A, B, C, Ds, you know, and it was just, it was a joke. This guy, that guy's a clown. Hakeem Jeffries is a clown. The dumbest people in America, the least qualified, are ruling over us. The least accomplished. Incredible. Well, for a little bit of refreshing 
uh, a refreshing voice here. Play a Lauren Bobert. This is Lauren Bobert, and she hits the nail on the head. Cut six. Captain, go. If Adam Schiff has a shred of human decency left, he would resign from Congress in disgrace. His tombstone should read of his failed career in Congress time and should be one word, liar. I yield back. Gentlewoman reserves, gentlemen from Maryland. I like her, Captain. I like her. I do. And I got to say, you know, um, I don't know anything personally. Lauren Boebert's not a friend of mine. I don't work with her. I don't talk to anybody who knows her. Um, you know, I, she's had family issues. I think she's getting divorced or she's already divorced. I'm not going to weigh into what came about. I have no clue. But what I would suggest is her family life has paid a toll because of her sacrifice to be in Congress. I think it's probably contributed to fracturing that relationship. And so, you know, these people that are in there, you know, I I wish there were ways to work around this. I mean, I I wish the best for all these people, but I wouldn't want to be any of them. I wouldn't want to be any of them. Now, speaking of Lauren Boebert, there's a lot of controversies I alluded to earlier in the show about um, her trying to force this Biden impeachment vote. Now, I don't understand the the full process here. I, I'm really not that familiar with this. I mean, this is considered a... a I mean, you, so if you're going to do file articles of impeachment, usually this comes out of a committee, a committee. And it appears that she's able to by, bypass that committee with this uh, rule, I suppose. And they call it a, um, I, I think it's a, a, it's privilege. We'll see if I, I find the actual, a privileged motion, I think is what it's called. And I don't know how you get to determine that something's a privileged motion, but essentially what it means is that it's something that's so important that it goes to the top of the pile. And so allegedly what will happen here is that if Boebert wants and she moves forward with this, this impeachment vote will go to the House, will go to the House. And... There are a lot of things being said by Republicans who oppose this, including uh, Speaker McCarthy. And on principle, I, I can I can understand some of their concerns, but what they're saying and their words, uh, the specifics of what they're saying and their objections, I I don't I don't get. I, I I just I think this exposes the disconnect in Washington D.C. with our own party, which is they don't understand or take what's happening seriously enough. <clears throat> so, McCarthy had told, told reporters, I don't think it's the right thing to do. Okay, all right. But apparently, but here's something else he said. McCarthy said, this is one of the most serious things you can do as a member of Congress. I think you've got to go through the process. You've got to have the investigation. And throwing something on the floor actually harms the investigation that we're doing right now. 
Now, no doubt you need a strategy if you're going to go forward with impeachment. Because remember, while we control the House of Representatives, they can file articles of impeachment, and those get delivered to the Senate, and ultimately the trial happens in the Senate. Now, we don't have a majority in the Senate, and even if we did have a slight majority, I can guarantee you Mitt Romney is not going to vote to impeach Joe Biden. So this is dead on arrival. It's, it's, it's superficial in some way. Now, before I get into the strategy and what I think about this particular impeachment, I have been advocating to impeach, to file the articles of impeachment, and at least it doesn't matter if they vote to exonerate him. I mean, you can't control that. That's what's going to happen in the Senate. But I've been an advocate for this for a couple of reasons. One, because it's been the right thing to do. It's been the right thing to do. Biden should have been impeached very early on simply because of his dereliction of duty, which is what Boebert is filing here, dereliction of duty at the southern border. Joe Biden and all of these members of Congress, people who work for the U.S. government, swear a sacred oath to protect and defend the U.S. Constitution. Joe Biden has violated his oath by intentionally violating our own border laws, not enforcing them, and facilitating the arrival and even movement of illegals within the United States of America. There are other things, too, that you can impeach him over. And I'll I'll never forget, you know, I wrote an article, I think it was published at, at American Greatness, I'm sorry if you're watching. I, I got like, I got a crick in my neck. I, I got to move around a little bit. I, I, you know, I got the baby and, you know, when that baby goes to sleep, Captain, in some weird position, I don't dare move because thank God the child's asleep and I don't dare risk waking her up and hearing the screams and having to do it all over again. You know, this, is, this has happened to me just to take a break for, for humor and many of you can relate. But it's like, you know, you know, usually, usually what I'll do, my, God bless my wife, you know, she's not working right now. She wishes she could, um, but it's impossible with, with, with my workload. So she is with the baby most of the day. I mean, she's an amazing mother <clears throat> and it's, 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 it's taxing. I mean, you're, you got this thing that can't talk to you. You're alone. I mean, you're changing diapers all day. It's, it doesn't matter how much you love your child. It's like, you want to tear your hair out sometimes. So, you know, in the evening, you know, I'll, like I'll finish the show with Captain and I'll go and put the baby down for the big sleep, right? While Alex, my wife, goes, goes to bed. And, you know, you, know, you don't know how long it's going to take. Sometimes she falls asleep quick. Sometimes I've got to sit there and rock her and play music and sing to her and it could take 30 minutes. And, you know, I, I had to finish, do some finishing touches on the book, Captain. And it kept me up at night. And so I was very antsy to get this stuff done also because I have deadlines. I want to get this book out. And so I, I rushed her sleep. So I, I so, so, you know, you, you get the baby to sleep. So what I'll, what I'll do just to paint a picture, I'm in the, I'm in the room, I'm holding the baby, I'm rocking her, whatever, doing, you know, praying to God that she'll go to sleep soon. I'm watching her eyelids get heavy. Please close, please close. Okay, they're shut. I'll sit down in the rocking chair and rock her for a little bit and hope that transfer gets her in a deeper sleep. And then at some point, 
you know, she falls asleep in weird positions and I've got to transfer the baby. She's still sleeping in the bassinet by our bed. I've got to transfer her from that room into the bedroom while my wife is there sleeping. And I've got to drop her in this bassinet that has four walls essentially around it. It's not an easy thing to do. And so time and time again, I'll say, okay, I got to get to work. She's asleep. I'll go and put her in the bassinet. As soon as I step out of the bedroom, I hear her screaming, crying. And then I got to reset and go spend another hour doing it again. So anyway, I don't know why I got on that tangent, Captain, but I think I told that story just to get away from politics for a minute because I just, I'm trying to be cool and composed today. So, all right. So I was going to tell you a story though. So I wrote this, I wrote this article maybe two years ago. I don't know what it was. It was an American greatness. It was about reasons to impeach Joe Biden. And I don't know how this happened because I don't listen to the radio really ever. But I think I saw it somehow. Maybe I was searching to see if the article got published. And I, and I, I got linked up to, to Larry Elder's show. And I don't have any animosity here, okay? I don't, I'm, not, I'm not ragging on anybody, but I might have told this story years ago. But anyway, so I, I actually tuned in. I listened to the show. I was a guest host for Larry Elder. And he proceeded to talk about reasons to impeach Joe Biden. And because I wrote the article, I realized very quickly he was just reading my article and giving me no credit. So, I mean, I was flattered that, that my, my, my work was being used to make a point for a big audience. But it was a little, I was a little ticked off, to be honest, because I thought, at least say Drew Allen wrote this great article in American Greatness because it was my work. But instead, he was, you know, and we're all good at this. I, I, can, I can sit here and read something to you, and you'll never know I'm reading it because I'm just talking like this. And that's what was happening, but it was verbatim, my article. So no, no, no harm, no foul. It's all good. But anyway, that's why I'm, when, if I get into an opinion piece, I always make sure, okay, Jonathan Turley wrote this at whatever. Because if you're a writer, you know, it's annoying when you're being robbed. Um, so anyway, so I, you know, I promoted that a long time ago. And one of the arguments I made in terms of being in favor of impeachment was, One of the, before we got into these latest hoaxes, right? Before we got into the stuff happening in New York with Bragg, before we got into the fake civil trial with E. Jean Carroll, the slut who wouldn't shut up, that's what she called herself, okay? Before we got into this latest hoax in Miami with the grand jury about the classified documents, you know, one of the big things and and weapons the Democrats were, were using, you could tell, was that they were trying to promote that, you know, Joe Biden was this clean guy and Donald Trump was twice impeached, right? So they had dirtied Donald Trump's reputation. And so I said, as a matter of strategy, what you should do is you should impeach Joe Biden because they can't say that anymore. Okay, let's have a battle of the twice impeached presidents going at it again in 2024. Biden, how do you like it? You can't say my opponent's been impeached because you've been impeached. And I thought that was an important thing to accomplish strategically, but of course, I don't know. I guess I'm just some genius. Maybe I should be the Speaker of the House. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hard job. Hard job. So, so anyway, uh, one, of the, one of the complaints that just shows me how out of touch um, 
the Republicans are. Ah. Uh-oh. I think it's in a different article. I think it's in a different article. Anyway, I think it was at the New York Post. But anyway, I'll just summarize. Some of the things McCarthy and others were saying was that, you know, there has to be due process. We can't rush this. This is what the Democrats did to Trump. We can't do this to them. And I think these guys are missing the mark. They're missing the mark. And an impeachment of Joe Biden has been earned. It's not based on a hoax. It's not based on made-up information. It's based on reality. You can't compare the two things. So, anyway, here's the thing. If you can't get the Republicans on board to actually accomplish a majority voting for impeachment, you shouldn't go through with it. Even if you agree with it, because, you know, let's say Boebert brings this forward and it fails. It's going to really weaken the Republican Party. I'm not saying that's right. I don't like it. But if you can't get a strategy and you can't get everyone on board, and this is the problem. This is, I know it's infuriating that they won't get on board with this. Now, the problem with the timing of this now that I can understand is that you've got a grand jury, this, this trial is starting on August 14th in Miami that is going to determine whether or not Donald Trump literally goes to, bit, to jail. I, I mean, I, it's shocking that we're at this point. And we've got the Hunter Biden guilty plea slap on the wrist where we already discussed this yesterday where they're already trying to set the table to convey to this grand jury that it's a fair, nonpartisan DOJ that look, Hunter Biden paid the price, and now it's okay to do this to Trump because it's fair. You know, they're trying to put pressure on this grand jury to pass a guilty verdict. That, that's really what this is about. And so I think the problem now is, now you, you can't make all your decisions based on the media, and I rarely would advocate for caring a crap about what the media is going to say. You can't control the Democrats. But in this case, it is a little precarious. It is a little precarious because if you don't have the talking points and you don't have the machinery in place and the strategy to really get this impeachment going, in some way, it's going to give the media ammunition to divert attention away from the lawlessness of the DOJ and the special counsel that's prosecuting Donald Trump for something that wasn't a crime Because it's going to distract in this grand jury and others are going to look around and say, oh man, the Republicans are really going after the Democrats. And so I, you know, that's the issue for me. That's the issue for me right now. But the point is, why haven't they done this before? I mean, they've tried. Marjorie Taylor Greene's tried a couple times and it didn't get anywhere. But McCarthy's saying, I don't think it's the right thing to do. It's cowardly. Now, another thing they've called this is frivolous. That's the wrong word. You can say the timing's not good. You can say a lot of things about this. But to call this frivolous, like I said, Boebert's impeachment articles, there's two of them, but they're both related to the open border. That's not frivolous. I just read an article that this year, 127 people on the terrorist watch list have now been apprehended at the border. It was somewhere between 120, 130. 
It's dangerous. Dangerous. So, you know, but, but at the same time, screw the media. I mean, I just played for you those clips of the Democrats gaslighting us. They haven't learned anything. The media is defending them. The media is still defending like Trump-Russia collusion happened. So you're, you're not going to take control of what they do. You've just got to bombard them. You've got to push through. You've got to have will and determination. And you have to not give to you-know-whats about that. You just have to do the right thing and trust at this point and get out there as much as you can and advocate and talk and go on the news as best you can and give press conferences and really drive the point home and take control of the message. You got to put the Democrats on defense. And see, we never do that. The Democrats pile on. You see, when they, it's Trump-Russia collusion. When they knew Trump-Russia collusion wasn't going to work, what did they do? Quid pro quo. They're always leapfrogging these things so that we're always on the defense, so that they always have a narrative to attack us with. And we don't do that. We don't understand momentum. We don't understand how to play the game. And this is killing us. Killing us. So anyway, those are kind of kind of my thoughts there on that. Now, hmm. So Biden, this is from Town Hall. Biden just recently attended, spoke at a fundraising event in California. And you'll just be shocked to hear what Biden had to say. We've never heard him say this before. Well, he repeated, remember in the past when, I mean, as I go through this, Captain, it's just, there's so many alarming things that have happened under this administration that really, if you start to think about them, they're unprecedented. And it's so clear what's happening, the tyranny. You remember when Joe Biden said, you know, if you want to come for the government or whatever, you need F-16s and nuclear weapons. Remember that? I mean, it was a direct threat at the American people. And one of the things I want to point out before I get into what Joe Biden said here is that when they when he says things like this, it, it's a it's a call to arms. This nation was founded on dissent. It was def- it was founded on skepticism. It was founded on distrust of the government. Distrust of the government, and those are virtues, not vices. That's supposed to be celebrated in America. I mean, I only need to remind you to read the Declaration of Independence. I know it's scary for people, but what does it say? You know, essentially, when the government descends into a tyranny, it's the right of the people to abolish the government and replace it with a new one. And so distrust of the government is something that should be celebrated. But now that's treated like a crime. And that alone should make the alarm bells go off in people's minds. Because we have a government that wants to reduce us to citizen slaves. And he admits it here. When we talk about guns and they lie through their teeth about mass shootings and so on and so forth, lie about statistics, want to pass all these gun laws that punish what? 
law-abiding American citizens. So here's what Biden suggested just the other day. Well, he suggested that the Second Amendment is useless because the U.S. government could crush Americans. And he repeated that we would need an F-16 to take the government down. You know, and of course, out of the other side of his mouth, Biden says he's a Second Amendment guy. And that the American people don't need a quote-unquote weapon of war, which is what? An AR-15. A semi-automatic rifle. Whoopty effing do. It's just like a pistol with a longer nose. It's more accurate. That's it. So, let me just put this together for you. If you haven't put the pieces together already. So Joe Biden speaks at a fundraiser, right? And he says that we would need essentially weapons of war to take on the government because the government would crush us. And Biden simultaneously is saying we don't need weapons of war. So he says we need weapons of war if we want to stand a chance against a tyrannical government. And but he wants to take our weapons of war away. Is this clear, Captain? It's about disarming the American citizen so that there is no level playing field, so that we're sitting ducks. And Joe Biden, of course, who graduated nearly dead last in his law school class, who was an absolute buffoon, one of the dumbest Americans ever born, he says uh, he taught, I assume, about the Second Amendment. He, I taught it for four years, six years in law school. And guess what? It doesn't say that you can own any weapon you want. It says there are certain weapons that you just can't own. And he says this thing, even when it was passed, you couldn't own a cannon. That's a lie. You could absolutely own a cannon. I just want to make that clear, by the way. I mean, these, these arguments are so stupid. <laughs> yes, the founding fathers, they, um, they, they, they put an amendment in the Constitution, the Second Amendment, which was intended to Level the playing field to prevent a tyrannical government from sending troops in to reduce us to slaves. And Joe Biden thinks that that amendment means that the founding fathers intended that we could only have, you know, muskets. Muskets. Uh, Joe Biden said, you know, I love these guys who say the Second Amendment is, you know, the tree of liberty is water with the blood of patriots. And this is, this is in the past, I think, when he said this. You know, uh, well, if you want to do that, you want to work against the government, you need an F-16. You need something else than just an AR-15. It's amazing that people are willing. They, they just don't understand why we have the Second Amendment. But there you have the government repeatedly threatening the American citizen and daring us, daring us to challenge them. And it's all backwards, of course, because the government should be fearful of us. They should be wetting their pants over the things that they're doing to us right now. Now, one of the biggest stories that no one's talking about has to do with um, 
Well, a secretive, previously, seemingly, unknown effort for the U.S. government to track you and me and pinpoint our exact locations. I mean, it's just... Take a breath. So, the U.S. Army... Protective Services Battalion. This is the Pentagon's equivalent of the Secret Service. So General Milley, for example, is going to be retiring soon. And because he's a high-ranking military official, he's going to have his own equivalent of a Secret Service that protects him from, you know, all of us. All of us. So, you know, the unit protects current as well as former high-ranking military officers from assassination, kidnapping, injury, or embarrassment. What's amazing is it's you and I that, 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 that need protection, right? It's you and I that are being targeted all the time, and they want to take our... So, you know, none of us... This is the thing. I remember Tucker Carlson making this point. He just mopped the floor with Adam Schiff one time on a show on, when he was on Fox. And all of these tyrants... Capitol Police protecting them if they don't have Secret Service protecting them and so on and so forth. They're always protected by armed guards everywhere they go. You and I don't have that luxury. We don't have a Capitol Police protecting us. We don't have Secret Service protecting us. And they want to take our guns away and render us defenseless. Outrageous. So here's what the here's what's going on. The protective services mandate it's expanded to include monitoring social media for direct, indirect and veiled threats. Okay. You ready for the next part? And identifying negative sentiments towards these officials according to an army procurement document dated September 1st, 2022. So this Protective Services Battalion's purview has expanded and we're just now finding out about it. Now, how might this be abused? Basically, they've given themselves permission to spy on you and me. And I'm telling you right now, my phone is spied on, 100%. My emails, they have them. We do not have privacy. And that's why I said a little while ago, that the price we pay for the convenience of all this crap is our privacy. And you can say all day long, I mean, but but what I think about is, okay, they have all these abilities to monitor this and that, right? And of course, they want to monitor people who are dissenters, not people who are actually dangerous criminals. Every time you have these mass shootings, right? Whether it's the Buffalo shooter, I mean, you pick the mass shooting. And you find out what? These people had told others, essentially, that they were going to commit that crime days before. In chat rooms, with what they were looking into, with things they were writing even on. So, I mean, what happens every time there's a mass shooting? People go find their Facebook account, their Instagram account, their Twitter, and what? They say, oh my God, this person said yesterday they were about to go and do something terrible. So it's out there. 
But they're not monitoring that, are they? See, they don't care about those people. What they want to do is utilize this to crush someone like me, to crush Captain on the other side of this computer monitor. That's what they want to do. So think about the verbiage here. Expressing positive or negative sentiment towards a senior high-risk individual can be deemed sufficient grounds for government agencies to conduct surveillance operations. So think about what I do every day here. I lambast Adam Schiff. I lambast Peter Hotez. I show what? A negative sentiment towards these people because they're horrible people doing horrible things. And I'm calling them out. I'm trying to inform other people about what they're doing and how awful they are. Now, obviously, I have a negative sentiment towards them. So in theory here, if I sit here and go off the, you know, and I I rail against General Milley because, you know, General Milley, for example, is a traitor. General Milley actually called the communist Chinese and said he would give them warning if Donald Trump made moves on China. So he's the traitor. He's the person who should be rotting in a prison cell for what he did. And yet they're going to target me and conduct surveillance on me because I'm telling you what General Milley did, which is treason. And this is just one thing that's happening. Who knows how deep this stuff goes? And my point is, I'm reporting on this now. It seems somewhat casual for many people, perhaps. But what's happening is they're slowly putting the pieces in place to eventually crush us. They're going item by item. It's strategic. It's strategic. You see, we're just sitting here, and they're engaged in a war against us right now. I mean, it's like they're putting the landmines out there. We're unaware and we're just going to step on them soon. All right, so I want to I get back to this. Um, they had this hearing on the, on the Hill today, and I'm really sick of this stuff. I really am. It, I mean, in some capacity, sometimes it's great because it informs us, but there's never any repercussions, and that's the problem. So... Um, Durham was on Capitol Hill today and he was questioned by Democrats and Republicans about his Durham report. And I want you to hear, now I'm no fan of Durham. I just want to make that clear right now. Negative sentiment towards Durham. What? High ranking official? Drew, stop, shut up. Um, you know, Durham Durham, a lot of people suggest, is part of the deep state. Uh, they suggest, like, Barr. I mean, he, he goes through the motions, but what did he actually accomplish? Nothing. Nothing. So anyway, but that aside, Durham has a really good response, retort to Adam Schiff here. Um, go ahead and play cut seven. This is an exchange between Schiff and Durham. And Schiff gets... Uh, pie in his face. Mr. Durham, that Mueller and congressional investigations also revealed that Don Jr. was informed that a Russian official was offering the Trump campaign, quote, 
very high-level and sensitive information, unquote, that would be incriminating if Hillary Clinton was part of, quote, Russia and its government support of Mr. Trump? You aware of that? Sure. People get phone calls all the time from uh, individuals who claim to have information like that. Really, the son of a presidential candidate gets calls all the time from a foreign government offering dirt on their important opponent? Is that what you're saying? I don't think this is unique in your experience. Uh, so you, uh, you have other instances of the Russian government offering dirt on... Or no. Okay, okay, we're back. <clears throat> so, so you hear that exchange with, with Schiff? Schiff says, um, really? Uh, you know of this happening where, you know, a son of a pre uh, you know, presidential candidate gets calls from a foreign government offering dirt? That happens. People get calls all the time from the government offering dirt. And, you know, Durham, of course, says, well, that's not, you know, I, you shouldn't be surprised by that. Because Schiff, Schiff got prank called a couple of years ago from a, a couple of um, Russian radio hosts. And they told Schiff, I mean, this is, they, they actually got on the phone with Adam Schiff. Now they had to go through uh, all these hoops, of course. He had to go through his front office and so on and so forth to get there. And they got on the phone with Schiff. And they told Schiff they had images of a naked Donald Trump. And it was a prank call. And I put together a few clips from that eight-minute call of Adam Schiff begging them to give him the documents, the recordings, the dirt on Donald Trump. So you just heard Schiff, the gaslighter extraordinaire, say how inappropriate and absurd and horrendous it is, how criminal it is for someone to get a call from a foreign government offering dirt. And here you have Schiff getting a call from two Russian radio hosts offering him dirt on Trump. You can't make this stuff up. Play cut eight, Captain, go. So you, you have recordings of both Sovchek and Buseva, uh, where they're discussing the compromising material on uh, Mr. Trump? Absolutely. Okay. Um, well, obviously we would uh, welcome a chance to get copies of those recordings. Um, so we will try to work with the FBI to figure out, uh, along with your staff, how we can obtain copies of those. Um, okay. Well, uh, thank you very much. We will be back in touch uh, with you through our staff uh, to make uh, arrangements uh, to obtain these materials for our committee and, and for the FBI. And, and I appreciate your reaching out to us. Well, Mercilessly ridicule these losers. Adam Schiff, I can't stand the guy. I can't stand the guy. And I cannot imagine being somebody, I mean, this is what I'm saying. You have to be a particularly despicable, amoral human being to make the claims that you continue to make knowing that you've done these things. Now, I'm not going to have time to get into this completely. But um, there's more evidence that would suggest that the whatever is going on between Russia and Ukraine, we have no clue. War, 
supposedly where we're sending uh, 6.2 billion extra dollars because of an accounting mistake over there, right? Well, this is a desirable thing that people, powerful people want to happen right now. They don't want to resolve it. In fact, they would want and be encouraged to instigate, to prolong the war between Russia and Ukraine because they want to make a financial profit off of what's happening over there. I've alleged that for a long time. And now it seems that there's more evidence that this is true. James O'Keefe just exposed a BlackRock recruiter in his latest sting operation who was bragging not only about deciding people's fate, but says that war is good for business. So an undercover O'Keefe journalist asked this recruiter at BlackRock. BlackRock is is like has the amount of money is is most more more money than most countries. It's an investment firm, right? Hedge fund, so on and so forth. Powerful people with money running the world. So anyway, this this recruiter is asked about his thoughts on the Ukraine-Russia war. And the recruiter says the conflict is good for business. He says, for example, Russia blows up Ukraine's grain silos. The price of wheat's going to go mad up. So what are you going to do if you're a trading firm? The moment that news hits, within a millisecond, you're going to pump trades into whoever the wheat suppliers are, into their stocks. Within an hour or two, that stick goes, that stock goes effing up. And then you sell and you just make, I don't know, however many mil. The Ukrainian economy is tied very largely to the wheat market, global wheat market, prices of bread, you know, literally everything goes up and down. This is fantastic if you're trading. Volatility creates opportunity to make profit. War is real effing good for business, he says. It's exciting when crap goes wrong. And he described himself as a person who decides people's fates. Every effing day, I literally decide how somebody's life is going to be shaped. I'm not actually a finance guy. I just know what happens because I'm recruiting people who do these things. When asked who's controlling the president's wallet, the recruiter said the hedge funds, BlackRock, the banks, these guys run the world. And one more thing this recruiter admitted. He said that once you own a little bit of everything, you can take this big F ton of money and then you can start to buy people. You got 10 grand? You can buy a senator. It doesn't matter who wins. They're in my pocket at this point. This is what's happened to the country. This is what's happened to the country. Our politicians... They may swear an oath to the Constitution, but really, they don't care about that oath. Their oath is to those people that are enriching them. And this is why we're seeing the reshaping of the world right now with regard to China. The payments made to Joe Biden, probably made to Secretary of State Blinken. These people are all compromised. The Chinese spy Fang Fang went after who? Swalwell? You think these people aren't compromised? 
And it's sad. It's sad. But this is what's going on. And I'm telling you right now, I mean, look, these firms I've, I've reported in the past are already going to Ukraine. They're already cutting deals to help finance, you know, the remaking, reimagining of Ukraine after this war ends. I mean, this is all intentional. We are being bamboozled. We're being lied to. This war has nothing to do with justice or anything else. It's a false war designed. Uh, they're, they're pulling our heartstrings. They're deceiving us. And they're laughing literally all the way to the bank. So anyway. All right, folks. It's been another scintillating hour of good news. It's good to be back with you. Uh, we may be back tomorrow. I don't know. I got to talk to Captain. We'll see. But you, you'll, you'll know either way. Uh, but this is Drew Allen, your millennial minister of truth. God bless you all. And until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Has Drew Allen. Hard conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.